Welcome to Surviving Society with Shanto and Tiso. Towards a more sociable sociology. Hi, another episode of Surviving Society with Zara Bay from Nomic Exclusions. Zara, thank you so much for joining us. Can you, before you tell us about your life, in one sentence, sum up No More Exclusions? No More Exclusions is a coalition grassroots movement in education with a focus on the race disparity in school exclusion and seeking quality, inclusive education for all is an abolitionist movement. Social justice. Social justice, right through. Amazing. Uh, we're, we're so excited to, I was saying to Zara, we're so excited <laughs> to have you here because it's so, it's really difficult for us to get community activists on the podcast for so many reasons because you guys are so busy, like you work, like you're doing so much. And often we have people on the podcast who have their place in activism that are talking about the sort of theoretical and the empirical research that they've done. But you're, sort, you're on the ground doing the work. So we are really grateful grateful that you've come to speak to us and to tell us about the important work that you're doing so thank you so much Sarah. Thank you for having us. I I think it's important because I think academia and theory is a lot of talk but when someone says to you they do it it's hard to argue with it you know. Yeah yeah yeah. It's hard to argue with that. It is it is big time. We're talking about just that today on our on our WhatsApp group, we've got about six or seven different WhatsApp groups that are linked to Enemy. One of the things that came up was, you know, how do you marry the research, the theory, the academic, with, you know, understanding of the issues, with work on the ground, with the activism. But pa- Paolo Freire, you know, the, the Brazilian, uh, with in Pedagogy of the Oppressed, I think he articulates it really well when he talks about the fact that if you are going to make a difference um, with your theory, with your research, you have to marry it with activism. Verbalism alone is no good. It's just talk. Mm. And activism not uninformed by, you know, the academic and the theory is also quite dangerous. You need both. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I think sometimes when people do stuff like that, so to be involved means I have to be interactive human beings. And sometimes academics are not the most socially um, adjusted people, so they feel a bit awkward. Oh, they're lovely. Leave them alone. No, <laughs> so, so, so listen, when I, I've done some... Like, so when I, I've done mentoring with kids of, like, 13 and 14, they're difficult. People are yeah. difficult. And so how... Coming up against that reality, that's what I think makes people a bit hesitant to be activists because reality is difficult. Mm. And no one likes difficulty, you know? They stick to their comfort zones. Yeah, how do you unpick that? That's quite, that's a very good question. Um, I think traditionally, you have to go back to traditionally, the understanding of what makes knowledge. Where do we get tr- truth? <laughs> and, and people generally think you get truth from books, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. mean, in my era, there was no Google, it was encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. We had lots of volumes on the shelves. That's where our knowledge came from. Correct, yeah. Now we have it in our hands, right, at all times. But the ones that generate truth in academia, in the ivory towers, I think traditionally have been trained or educated or schooled to believe that in order to, re- to remain objective, you must retain distance. Mm-hmm. You see, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. And I thoroughly disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly disagree with that. I can understand what mm-hmm. they're saying, um, but I disagree with it. But see, and this, uh, that's interesting <laughs> that you say that because it ties into what I've been thinking. So by this idea of this notion of objectivity, this myth of objectivity Absolutely. ties into what's always unsaid and unspoken, the idea of white supremacy. So because that's unnamed and unchallenged, it perpetuates that same system. 
So they don't get involved because they're not really looking to change it because it's not a problem in their eyes. This is something that's the exception rather than a rule. But the exception is the rule that there's no equality. Oh my god, that's a very loaded. Guys, are we are we are we are we reading bare books? Literally, are we are we we're getting straight into this? We're we're straight. We're not fucking about. Like it's four minutes. Four minutes. Shall we? Shall we? Let me. Like as as powerful as this conversation is right now, I want to I want to I want to roll back. I want to yeah, roll back. Please. I want to roll back. We're coming back. T that is great. That's great. Also, can I just put a shout out there because I don't want to forget it. Mm. We really, really love it when academics use our work and use the things that we've said on the podcast and whatever. But please, 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 can you cite us and reference <laughs> us? Cite yeah. yeah. um, as necessary. Cite, cite, <laughs> cite black people, please. Do not erase our voices. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's not loaded. That's not loaded at all. It's just like a... And I'm not, I don't want to sound like a dickhead either. It's just, please, can you cite us? If you're using us. Mm. Um, so, Zara. Which they will. Mm. <laughs> Zara. Take us back. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your life yeah. and your introduction into teaching. Okay. First thing I want to say is that every step of the way from the black woman that gave birth to me to the black woman that advised me to go into teaching to the black woman that advised me to apply for promotion at my first job, there's always been a black woman behind every single bit of success I've had. Fact. So that's the first thing I want to do. So that's a shout out to every single black woman out there. And when I'm yeah. saying black, I am talking about some people use people of colour, whatever. Whatever term you're comfortable with. I'm comfortable with the word black. Yeah. And I'm deliberate with that. Yeah. What does that mean? So that means that where does knowledge come from? For me, where does nurture come from? Where does the support system that you need to go? Because education isn't obviously a job that you go into lightly. You go into it, at least I did, mm. to change lives, make a difference, right? Um, and like my mama, my mama always says, like, stand up and be counted. You know, you, you know what you're going to be remembered for? What's your legacy going to be? I feel like this is becoming a bit of a theme on the podcast now. Like, we were, we were recording last week and Tisa was literally saying that, like, yeah. stand up to be counted. Yeah, yeah, so important. I think it is. How do you get into education? So it was like one of these black figures, yeah? Mm -hmm. Mythical figures, actually, sometimes I think they did really exist, but they did exist in my life. Because some of them are still alive. Some are not, sadly. With this particular lady called Maxine, I was sat at a dinner table and I was a bit lost after doing my degree. And she said, Zara, have you thought about teaching? And I was about 21. And I was like, oh, I'm not clever enough. And God, I'm not patient enough, you know. And no, I really didn't see myself as, you know, good enough. Mm -hmm. Which again is a common theme with women, I think. Doubting ourselves and living up to this, you know, ideals of perfection and you never really get there, you know? But anyway, she encouraged me. She gave me her life story, which involved being a housewife for many years, just being a stay-at-home mom, uh, being a victim of domestic violence, and then one day kicking out her husband, deciding that she was going to get, you know, retrain, you know, yeah. study again, and going to teaching. And then within three or four years, she was a deputy head in Brixton of a primary school. So I was so inspired by her, and I suppose that's what inspired me to do it. I suppose as well, not being money, I know it sounds strange because I've got a business degree, but not being a money-oriented person. Mm. I'm not religious either, so I don't even know where I am. But where I am with this, I suppose it's a spiritual realm yeah. of the importance of the non-material and the value that we bring, which is a non-monetary value to each other's lives. You know, uh, I call myself jokingly, but actually quite serious when I say it, that I'm an unlock of human potential. That's what a teacher should be. Mm. 
I agree. Human I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I, I think all teachers should drop their titles and call yeah. themselves unlockers of human potential. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had a teacher like you when I was growing up. But it's important. I think it's about, especially now, well, when I was at school, it's all tied up to the fact that don't really see you as a person. It's a commodity. I'm looking to make money, looking to make money. So they sell me You're a dream. You're coming with all the heavy things. They sell me a dream. He always does. Oh, wow. They like sell me that. a dream. Like they sell me a dream. The Malcolm X approach. <laughs> yeah, they sell me a dream. But when you, when you look at... It's character traits that are important. Mm. That's what's important. And so yeah. if someone says to you, you're right, unlock a human potential, it's your character I'm interested in. Because when people approach me, it's your character I'm looking at. If you're a dickhead, you're a dickhead, isn't it? It doesn't matter what colour you're a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. If you're a colour, you get me? So it's one of yeah. them things there. If I see you and I respect you, it's mm. your character. It's not how much money you've got. You could have a billion pounds. Look at Trump. He's a dickhead. He's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. Mm. But it's your character that I'm interested in. Mm. Do you know what? Like, I can't believe we're only nine minutes in. And Zara, I'm already like, you're already giving me hope. Like, like just listening to you talk, it's just giving me hope. But yeah, so you are or have been a secondary school teacher. Yep, 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, there's which, not many of us left. Which year group? So um, I've, most of my career I've taught GCSE and upwards. Okay. okay. So 14 and, and above. And... That I love that age group. Mm-hmm. I love that 14 to 16. You're not you're not a preteen, prepubescent, mm. you know, you're not early teens, you're not late stage kind of getting ready for university or the next step. You're in between. Mm-hmm. And it is a stage that is fraught with a lot of fast changes, not a particularly popular phase. Mm. of the teenage years you know when you tell people you're a teacher usually they go oh, yeah I was going to say they, they I was going to I had to stop myself from being like oh wow like you're, wow. you're in it and you're I never in understood it. that okay that's good I absolutely love it one because I suppose I'm still a teenager at heart in a lot mm. of ways mm. yeah and I do remember it vividly what it was like in the struggles and how much you need guidance in those years you, it's just not helpful to have people that go oh, teenagers this and oh aren't, aren't they a nuisance and aren't they disruptive and we were all teenagers once mm-hmm. isn't it so what the f- you talking about mm-hmm. you know as if this this generation of teenagers is the worst possible generation that's ever walked the planet that's what they nonsense nonsense but it drives me mad like I, I, when I hear people say that and I used to hear a lot about in the bank but, but I said the demonisation of yeah. teenagers is what I'm trying to yeah. basically yeah. get at but I said they're a product of us yeah. like they have no power they're born yeah. so how did they have any power they didn't just become that way we shaped them that way so it's but responsibility is our responsibility. But it's just so weird how just everyone removes themselves from the character and presentation of teenagers. They mm. just think that they've, yeah, as you say, have just, just become. Mm. Yeah, they went from child nine to 21. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so mm. <laughs> they forgot all, all, all the episodes behind the shirt they had. But you see, that kind of stuff. So when you're talking to me, <laughs> no, but imagine when you're talking to me, you're, re- you're relatable. You know what I'm yeah. As an adult, I think. And this is how I talk to yeah, the kids. You have to be relatable. You have to be yourself. Yeah. But I think. I don't have a different persona in class. But just, I, think, I think when you're an adult, people forget to be relatable because they're trying to have authority or dominate this person. But just be relatable. If you're on a level with them, they understand that we were, we're similar. Kids you know? can see yeah. through bullying yeah. so clearly. Mm. Know, they have a very good bull radar straight mm. they can see it. they can see goodness they can see authenticity really yeah yeah much better than we can yes i agree yeah 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 so secondary school yep and i've been a secondary school teacher for 20 years yeah so well sec i suppose qualified to tr- teach in secondary mm. but only taught in secondary for eight and okay. then the majority of my career has been in 
AP, alternative provisions and people referral unit. Okay, so talk us through AP and people referral units. Right. We know what they are, but quite a lot of our listeners won't know. Yeah. Okay, so this is where we're going to start unpacking a can of worms of Mm. all sorts, because I think until I kind of fell into it by accident, I really didn't know what that sector of education was about. And most teachers, in my view, don't know what's going on there, because it's a minority group that will teach there, the tiny settings, and small numbers of, of you know kids that go to these places. So, so alternative provision. I'll, I'll talk about the places I, I've been and I've worked in. So the first setting was a new uh, arrivals, a year eleven new arrivals to the UK. Uh, I worked there for three years, and it was young people that came from a range of countries. Some war-torn countries, a lot of trauma in their lives. Some were economic migrants from other parts of Europe and some refugee children, asylum seekers, and so on. So you had a hodgepodge of um, young people, lives, Mm -hmm. histories, lived experience, languages, religions, geopolitical kind of backdrops to their lives that uh, were just kind of dumped, and I'm using that word deliberately, into this year 11 centre. And if you saw the, 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 the building, even, the environment that these children were put in. The word dump is a very fitting word. Really? So where was yeah. where 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 it was in I'll just say it's London. Okay, cool. London. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For legal yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. You taught these year elevens. Yeah. And what was that like? Absolutely loved teaching them. Yeah. yeah. So there's a myth that Migrant children, for example, lack ambition. Yeah, biggest bullshit you will ever hear. Mm-hmm. People migrate because of ambition, because they want a better life. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. But they'll tell you, oh, there's a poverty of ambition. Oh, you know, they, they, you know, their parents don't really you know, value education. Another bit of bullshit. So these kids were some of the most motivated young people you'll ever find. And all young people, all children, are deserving of an education, regardless of their attitude to it. That's their right. Mm-hmm. But they were absolutely the type of young uh, children and young people that teachers would love to teach. You know, they're super keen, enthusiastic, motivated. <laughs> and there was a lot of liberation work that needed to be done there in terms of their rights. Because they just don't know it. You know, they're new to a country. Um, they're new to the system, the culture. Do you know what I mean? So there was a lot of an emancipatory type work to be done there. So yeah. I took that job really seriously. Because yeah. I thought, wow, I didn't expect to be here. I kind of fell into it. But I can see the reason why I'm here. Yeah, so I did that for three years. Then that became, I suppose, a little bit problematic, politically speaking. So then we looked at uh, a move, for me, within AP AP, and looking at the behaviour unit. Now, these obviously young people, let me not say obviously, because not everyone will know what a pupil referral unit is. So let's not assume. Gary Young says, assume maximum intelligence but minimum knowledge. So we'll do that. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's brilliant. It's when so you remember that, yeah. you just bring yeah. it down yeah. a notch. Not to patronise people, but yeah, to yeah. give people background. So the people refer a unit. They used to be called short stay by the previous Labour government under Ed Miliband. And if you guys remember that, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the two thousand and six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. So they were supposed to be short stay schools. But now they've been, the name has come back as Pru again because, you know, the truth is they're not sure stay. Some of the kids will come, do a term, two terms, and then maybe get reintegrated back into a new school. But many get stuck there. 
And why yeah. will a child be put into yeah. a pupil referral unit? What are the, some of the reasons why? A whole range of reasons, but the most common, and this is probably the one I want to drive home massively, is persistent disruptive behaviour. That is the number one reason that drives uh, exclusions. It's really important that people get it through because even today um, I was asked in our WhatsApp group again, a really important question, common question I get asked a lot. I might, I might do an FAQ on it which is, you know, what about, you know, the violent attacks towards teachers? What about the racist attacks towards teachers? What about the homophobic abuse and mm. all this kind of... What about the sexual attacks towards mm. teachers? In all 20 years I was in education, I haven't come across that. Yeah. Ever, I can say. I'm not saying it don't happen to others. I haven't come across it. The most... The most common mm. is the persistent disruptive behaviour. And of course, of recent times, we have seen young people carrying unauthorised items, mm. being caught with it and being excluded as a result. But when you look at their file, there is no persistent disruptive behaviour. One off, zero tolerance, you're out. Nobody's asking the backstory, which we'll get into, about why was that child carrying that item. There is no time for questions. It's zero tolerance. Mm -hmm. It's punitive. So when you're describing these artists, you know, it's, it sounds like to me, and it's, I started thinking of the work of Foucault and how institutions match themselves. So what you're describing there is almost like the same system that runs in prisons. So you have the main population, the general population. If someone is disruptive, they're put into the shoe, which is a segregation unit within the prison. So the school system's the same. You're putting these people into a segregation unit for a long period of time. It's meant to be a short stay, but it ends up being a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you try to reintegrate that person, which has been marginalised, back into the mainstream, and they, they, they can never do that again. Because the experience they have with the system has tainted them, and they're affected for life. And this is, again, it's probably it's structural. And it, but they know this structure happens. So imagine it's the same that happens in hospitals, in mental wards, it's the same system. Yep. So how do, how do we change that system? Now, this is, that is the core of my research now, you see. Mm. Yes, the consistent disruptive behaviour. I like what you said there about um, the sort of the the often sort of shock myths that sort of hold in like the media and people's discourse when they're talking about why people's get put into these units, like stuff about violence and whatever. Like, I can imagine it is very rare, but for some, but well, it's not for some reason. For for political reasons, racialized yeah. reasons, it's a racialized it, order. That yeah, we need to uphold. They have to uphold, so that fits and in. an economic order as well. Yeah, because <laughs> mm. I one of my friends. Uh, her little girl, she's been referred to several units. So she's white working class. Mm. But she's had so many chances compared to other young black boys I know who are just put into those units. But she's had lots of chances. Mm. And, it, and even in those units, when she's so disruptive in the unit, she gets moved to another unit. But she's always given chance after chance after chance. When you, the young black boys are not, they're not given that same opportunity to have several lives. Or it's it's so interesting. Do you think that um, young black kids are becoming or have always been aware of that differential treatment? Because I was in, I was doing some interviews with my PhD research um, recently, and as a brother and sister, and the sister both black sister was talking about how 
like she was never given chances and was put into isolation constantly. And the brother was like, oh, there were times when I wanted Peter to be destructive, but I knew that I would get treated the worst out of everyone. They went to a predominantly white school. And I don't know, like, I know that sounds really simplistic, uh, a simplistic um, narration, but I don't know, it just sort of really held me. I was like, oh, so are we... Are we collecting a lot of research that backs that up, by the way. Yeah, the, the, there's a realisation. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of, like, is it... Has there always been that collective realisation or are we becoming more... Uh, like, there's research that... Sorry mm, to cut you, but yeah. that's important. There's research that shows that uh, for the same... That the profile of your typically white child getting excluded mm. is very different to your profile of the black child mm. getting excluded. That the tolerance level that teachers have the patience, mm. the understanding. Of course, yeah, of you know, course. It's completely different. So there's, there's, there's stuff that we need to talk about teachers' bias in there. Mm. We need to go all the way to, you know, racist. Teacher racism. You know, and, yeah. you know t- definitely. Teacher, teacher racism, training, yeah. uh, cultural incompetence, as I call it, because mm-hmm. that's what it is. So the perception that, you know, someone having a loud conversation is or moving their hands is then being aggressive yeah. or about to lunge at you. Mm they're not, or that someone, you know, being over-exuberant and putting their hand up a lot means they're being disruptive. It is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are the type of things, and I know because I'm a teacher, so, and you're constantly making, you know, how many judgments per lesson? Mm-hmm. How many judgments per lesson are you making? In that 60-minute or 50-minute slot you've got with those mm-hmm. kids, you've got so much power, talk about full course, so much power, yeah, mm-hmm. to raise lives mm-hmm. or crush them. And teachers have that. I mean, I think a research piece has to be done about that mm-hmm. on its own, really. But I think they don't... Yeah. So my experience in school, when I was there, so it went to an all-boys school. So when the male teachers were challenged by white pupils, it was a discussion. When they were challenged by black people, it escalated into a fight. So most of the time, like we were just talking in our WhatsApp group, they remember the time when we used to have to fight with these teachers. And I, I, I thought... That, I don't that's really... public enemy for you of the black planet. Yeah. That is... Established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a fear of a black planet, mm. um, you know, and it's not just hip hop artists that talk about it, mm. academics talk about it. Mm. Um, and I think that's what we need to, I suppose, dismantle, right? Mm. But I completely agree with, with the fact that there is the embodiment of aggression mm. and terror and fear pinned all to the bra- black or brown body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll see when I talk about my research what the young people said in terms of what got them excluded, you know, part of it is being a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is, it's a very difficult topic to, to, to broach, right? And mm. I don't often discuss it, I'm able mm. to discuss it openly because, but the young people wanted me to, obviously, yeah. you know, with research, you protecting, you anonymizing yeah, yeah. and everything, but they wanted to talk about how their actions, again, typically general, normal, normal, inverted commas, you know, teenage behavior, is interpreted as sexual, sexually predatory behavior. Mm-hmm. And which because led, they're black, because they're black. Because they're black. Yeah. And, I, and to me, when I was listening to the story, and, and I'm happy to share my research with you guys, yeah. I send you a copy. When you listen to the, you read the transcript of what he says, I'm just seeing Emmett Till all over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm having these flashbacks and, I, and I, I couldn't sleep. You know, I'm crying as I'm listening to him and I'm thinking, this was a child that was adultified. He was sexualized. Mm. He was criminalized. And then the person that made the allegation afterwards said, I'm really sorry about that. I know it wasn't real, but if I didn't say that, I would have got in trouble with my dad. That fucked up his life. Yeah. For good. 
We don't protect black boys. <laughs> like, we just don't. They're not protected by institutions. The madness is... They're not... For them, it's, it's a joke. It's just something that they say. But they don't, they don't understand my life or where I'm coming from. And this is, this is the problem. I'm always trying to tell you about my experience, but you don't understand yourself. And it's about that kind of having that introspection. But that's lacking. What do you mean? So, whiteness, how it operates, because it's unsaid and unknown and it's in this structure. Okay, so they're not thinking. They're not, they're not, think, you... they're not thinking. They're it's just talking. like the air we breathe. Yeah. To them, it's normal. They're socialised by it. It's normal, yeah. So, when they're looking at us, they just understand us within that framework. Like I said, hmm. for them, ra- racial, racial inequality is the exception, it's never been the rule. And they don't understand that. They think it's, they're trying to bring equality to us and make us, but it's them that need to understand what they're saying and the effects. So I was watching a programme yesterday and a woman framed, planned her own robbery, a kidnapping. And the first thing that made her, what made it real, she said the, the people that kidnapped her were black, mm-hmm. two black men, six foot. And that, that's what made them go into action. And she was white and blonde. And she didn't. She didn't care how it affected black people or anyone else. But she said she knew to make that real that, in people's that minds. Me again, on Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you look at Birth of a Nation, you yeah. have those images, very early images on yeah. film. <laughs> what do you see? You see the savage <laughs> black man who wants the virginal white woman yeah. so innocent, wants her purity. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and these these kind of tropes are continuing on. They're powerful. They're powerful. They're powerful. They're powerful. They, they sit deeply into consciousness. And and this is what I'm saying. It's it's the emotion mm-hmm. that it entails that, and that's what's powerful. But it's the emotional reaction that because you, you can rationalize stuff, but it's the emotion, the fear, the anger. Those things will motivate people to do things that you will never get them to do rationally. So if I say to you, "It's a black man," that in, in certain people invokes a certain response, an emotional response, mm. not the rational response, and that's what people are tapping into, that emotion. So when when a teacher's standing there and she gets a bit nervous, she's trying to rationalise, she's a bit unconfident or he's a bit unconfident, and th- that emotional response, that fear, is overwhelming. It makes, you, it makes you do things that you wouldn't really necessarily do if you was thinking about it. And that's what you see. Like, when I walked into a, to a kind of being a mentor and I was a bit nervous, you walk into a room, a bit of sweaty hands, and you have an emotional response. And that emotional response makes you do things. Sometimes I got a bit annoyed with these people when I shouldn't really, if I was being rational, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know if, if that's, you can overcome that through training. But most people do overcome things like that through training. Like police overcome fear through training. Do they? Well, you try to. Well, the army, <laughs> do you understand? Like, so being in sort of high-pressure situations, like yeah. when, I train to, when I train to fight, to yeah. overcome natural fear, you have to train yourself. Mm. So Education I st- and training can go Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. I, I do think, I mean, if I didn't believe that, I would be a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, if I didn't think that change is possible, I'd just give up mm-hmm. and just retire with my books on a island. <laughs> which is my, my, that's my retirement plan, by the way. So I do believe change is possible, mm-hmm. and that's why we fight the fight. Yeah. So you started to do quite a lot of work in pupil referral units then. Yeah. And is this how No More uh, no more Exclusions came about? No More Exclusions come out of shit anger. Uh-huh. Straight. Go on, tell us. Right, rage, actually. Mm. Mm. And that's how, I suppose, political movements and activism comes about. Mm-hmm. I think it has to come from... If you're comfortable, you're not going to challenge that. Mm-hmm. You have to be angry. You have to be angry. You have to be angry. Uncomfortable. <laughs> like the skin <laughs> on a hot coal. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I was experiencing that. So there were kind of three things in my life that happened. So that... One, and, and part of it, I, am, I have to say, I'm not this kind of like all-knowing, I know, I knew all these things. I've been imbibed in the system. I've mm-hmm. been uh, socialised into a system that has trained me, educated me to not see 
to talk about whiteness, to not see certain types of injustice and inequalities, to kind of normalise it. I.e., example, how is it, and I'm still, I'm still working through that anger with, on myself, although I understand I'm just part of a system, right? Why is it that I could be working as a teacher and a proof for eight years and never once, and I am known for challenging and questioning and, and having a critical mind, at least well, that's what I thought anyway, <laughs> and never did I challenge the data in front of me, the race disparity that's coming through the door. I never once said, what's going on with these young people? Why have we got 90% boys, 70% black or brown, you know, 90% free school meals, 100% special educational needs and disability. I never, I never questioned that. And I'm still recovering from that. So what changed for me then was the first thing, the first precipitating event was my master's degree. So some funding came up, because another thing is, teachers of colour often broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want to study, you don't have any money to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a big problem. Talk mm. about inequality and then having, been, having the ability to become woke. How are you supposed to get it? Mm. Not everyone is a colour. Mm. Yeah. Self-taught. Mm. Mm. And plus, actually, it wasn't fully self-taught. Mm. Love yeah. your colour, by the way. Love your colour. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, not everyone, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he had the supplementary school movement yeah, behind yeah. him and all that. Mm. I didn't have that. So, I, he, you know, like a lot of teachers, you're just socialising to the system. You try to do the yep. best you can, find information where you can, trying to piece this puzzle that is life, right, together. So the first thing, it was going to IOE, doing my Master's Social Justice in Education. At UCL? At UCL. Yeah, yeah, I finished amazing. it. I just finished it. It took me three years instead of two, but, hey, but I did it. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Um, Congratulations. Thank yeah. you so much. And decided that I was going to zoom in on race and uh, school exclusions and uh, the race disparity and uh, particularly special educational needs stuff. Were you taught by Anne Phoenix at the IOA? I have heard that name, yeah, but yeah, I've yeah. not been taught okay. by her. Carry I heard, on, I heard carry she's on. amazing. Yeah, legendary yeah. black woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry Victoria on. Schwimney was one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amazing. So it's an inter intersectional study. Because you're looking at, you know, the, the intersection between race uh, as if that wasn't enough of an axis of oppression mm. with, um, you know, special educational needs. Mm -hmm. And, he, you know, as often you do with these studies, you have to kind of go and see what's, what's happening in the US. Mm. Because that's where a lot of the academic work has start, started long before we, we get going mm. with things, as you know. So the, what I found is that race has been historically disabled. And disability has been historically racialized. And that's really important to drive that home. So that when we think of problematic, excludable, criminal identities, we're often thinking black identities, aren't we? Mm -hmm. That's what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. um, someone who doesn't, who's undeserving. This is a really important, because when you, when you really unpick what undeserving means, you know, you can place them in a segregation unit. You can put them in a... They're not deserving. You can put them in, in a prison. They're not deserving. You can, you know, deprive them of an education. They're not deserving. So this deserving thing, so important to unpick it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, mm. we can come back to it. Mm. You know, the punitive nature of the way education has moved mm -hmm. over time. Um, and there are massive parallels with the US. So anyone who's interested in like, looking at the school to prison mm. pipeline should definitely look at the work in the mm. US. But there's people like Karen Graham, have you heard of her? Mm. Who was doing amazing, mm. done amazing work. And I, my PhD now, I want to kind of 
walk on those footsteps a little bit and see where we can extend it. Uh, I even want to ask you guys, what do you think should be research and done? Because my feeling is some type of action research. In other words, yes, we know the problems because we've got reports and data coming out of our ears now in terms of exclusion and the impact it has in terms of social exclusion on young people and um, the impacts on, you know, all kinds, mental health, you know, <coughs> you name it, employment, housing, all of that. But what can we do? Because I'm interested in solutions uh, and not just talking about stuff. So you yeah. so, so you were saying, Zara, um, yeah. before, before we sort of understand that question, dissect it, that you began to get angry yeah. when you did your master's. It yeah. made you realise, like, look back at all your time. And then... Is that then no more exclusions? Did that came come from that? Came yeah. from that? It came from that Mass- massively. So I then felt okay. So I decided to do this intersectional study. I decided I had amazing tutors because they took a, a risk on me. They looked at my proposal and they actually said, "Don't do it," because my proposal started with Bernard Cord. Okay. Anyone can Google him. So he came from Grenada in '68. He taught for a few schools here, and he just thought, "What the fuck is going on here?" So you've got all these migrant kids, primarily Windrush first generation children of. Mm-hmm. All right, disproportionately represented in special schools. Why? Right. When you look at how that placement is activated, that's where the send label comes into it. Because in order to be excluded, there needs to be some kind of judgment or assessment. That's where the EP comes in, you know, the educational psychologist, who tends to be, no disrespect, white, middle class, don't know about our kids. Mm. They don't. (laughs) And they make this judgment like that, never see the child again. It's not about supporting the child, it's just making a judgment that activates exclusion. That's the main finding of my research. And that mechanism, talk about food court, that mechanism is still in place today in 2019. So we've now gone, the label was education is subnormal. The label now, in my view, is from ESN to SEN. So SEN is special educational needs. So language is powerful. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can create all all these different regimes of truth, to Mm. quote Foucault Mm -hmm. again. Mm Right, mm-hmm. so you we we have to be politically correct. I can't say your education is abnormal anymore. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but I am saying your your SEN. Yeah, so it's just a right. Tragic. This is good. <laughs> this is good. But you see, but you see it, good. It, it turns, and I'm gonna support you, even though I'm never gonna see you again. But this ties into all notions of of the <laughs> notion of structural notion of whiteness. So they decide who who's, who's, in, and who's in and who's out, Absolutely who's deserving, right. who's undeserving. It's a, it's a similar thing. Whiteness was the lens I used. Yeah, it's whiteness. It could be whiteness. It could be intersection. It could be class. These things. Where I decide who lets you in. And if you, if you are in, you're an exceptional black. So for example, when. I think it's the, the You're talking about the model minority? <laughs> oh, Look, these, these I'm two. Bring Honestly, <laughs> these two. I'm just here like I'm just here like I love it when someone brings up the model minority. Yeah. We have what to... about this group? They overachieve. Yeah. We're not racist. Exactly. So you That's bring them the in. racist yeah, tribe in itself. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a killer. It is. But you bring them in, but it's, it's a, they decide who comes in yeah, yeah. and who stays out. Yeah. And this, this is, again, it's problematic because it allows them to say they're not racist because that, that term is so loaded now. So they can say, I've included you, we're inclusive because yeah. we had a black, you had a black, black president, he done it. Yeah. So that means you can do it too. Yeah, but look what we got now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That, look at that back. That's a hell of a backlash uh-huh. to a black president. Yeah. Jesus. Never again. <laughs> so, so the way, so, it, and then no more exclusions. Yes. 
tell me about the organisation yeah. and how you how you did it and what what you guys try right. to do basically. So, started in, again out of anger. I was at actually not far from here, South Bank University. There was a weekend long conference by the monitoring group. Have you heard of them? Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They tag us in. They, the yeah, right yeah. race, yeah, race yeah, yeah. equality group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, Adam's that's actually <laughs> another thing that got me vexed. Yeah. So I'm at this conference and I'm sat there. And at this time, another thing that was the back of my mind is that my school was going through the marketization of education. Mm. And What year is this? What year is this? Uh, 2015? No, just October just gone. Oh, gosh. So, we, we know, we've been, we've been told, you know, cuts have to be made and jobs are going to be lost. And I'm thinking, cuts... In a school like this, you know, we are experienced teachers, we are child-centered teachers, we put the right of the child, and I suppose that's exactly the problem. Uh, and we were all experienced, which means at the top of the pay scale. So in the process of marketizing education and saving mm -hmm. money, and also, actually, I forget to say, highly unionized. Yeah. So you are... Uh, you're organized. You're a problem. Yeah, you're a problem. You're quite inconvenient. You're a problem, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. for a multitude of reasons, right? So I was dealing with that anger there, because I'm thinking, at the end of the day, the young people are going to be the biggest losers out of this. We can walk out of this. Most of us can walk out of one job and get another. You know, we can. And I was angry for, you know, experiencing sense of loss because I loved my job. But... Mostly angry because they're not going to get a voice or a say in this. They're just going to lose their teachers overnight. And that's exactly what happened. They lost eight out of nine teachers overnight. Then the school then was shut down um, temporarily to part-time hours. What? Oh, God. I now, keep hearing so then about you, this. You're just piling in injustice on top of oh injustice. Then you're talking about knife crime and you're worried about safety on the streets. But you've just not, not providing the 25-hour entitlement that these young people... Uh, by law, should mm -hmm. receive, and nobody's buying an eyelid about it. It said we're just going to criminalise. Yeah. Oh, but then we're going to say, oh, but they're out on the street and they're doing this and doing yeah. that. But yeah, okay. So anyway, so that was the second thing that got me back. So one was a lack of education and the type of, you know, socialisation and education, supposed education I received. Secondly was that process, the marketization of education, I'll call it, just call it that. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing was that in conference, Conference got me so vexed, man. I was so vexed. I'm sitting there. I'm listening to Katrina French. I'm mm. sure you know. Stop and search. Kane the Andrews, institutional racism. Imran Khan talking about the Metpherson report. Seventy-one recommendations, only nine implement. I'm thinking. To, <laughs> I'm listening to Deborah Cole's inquest. Death in police custody as she's bouncing a black baby and a child. No longer has it that. So I'm. I'm having. All, I'm like. I'm having information overload, and I'm like. I'm literally not getting another job in it. I'm not going into a school because. Education is far too important to just yeah, be gagged. Because once you take that job, as you were saying earlier, you can no longer speak. Mm -hmm. The best thing I've got, I might not have much money at the moment, but I can speak. Mm -hmm. I have no loyalty to no local authority, no academy, right? They're responsible for the majority of exclusion, so they're not friends of mine. Mm -hmm. What, in my view, is the exclusion industrial complex, which is the phase we're in now. Mm -hmm. That's what my PhD is going to be about. Mm -hmm. In other words, making, making a dollar out of black misery, black mm. and working class mm -hmm. misery. This mm -hmm. is the next phase we're entering now. Mm -hmm. We all need to be super aware and raise awareness. So after you went to that conference, you were like, I'm going to start No More Exclusions. Yeah, I picked up the mic like this one. <laughs> <Is it> good. <laughs> Uh, Gus John was over there, yeah. and I was like, Gus John, you know, I'm bound to you. And uh, Kane Andrew was over there, and I was just inspired by what was being, and angered really, more, more angry than anything else. And I said, um, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm being pushed out of my job, uh, but I'm not leaving education, it's far too important. I'm not leaving our kids, my kids, for these people. So 
does anyone else feel like it's time to disrupt this school to prison pipeline? Mm. And 54 people at the end of that conference segment gave me their number. So 54 people mm. started a movement that day. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. Like, I, listen, I agree 100%. I can see, <laughs> you can see that happening. And what's interesting is, and this is what I try to say to people, if the system doesn't allow me to achieve the success in the mainstream, it's a rational choice I'm going to make to do the things to achieve the success that I'm meant to have. So if I'm meant to have the iPhone, I'm going to steal the iPhone because it's irrational because you won't let me into that system to achieve that success. Because you're bringing a bit of strain theory Yes, here, and, and subcultural theory. Like, Explain that to me. So I was going to say, like, it's in subcultural but, theory, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. like in the 70s, this guy Cohen, he said like for white, the skinhead movement, for white working class boys to achieve the success that they weren't, weren't allowed to achieve through like the middle class boys going to banks, they formed this culture, the skinhead culture, to achieve that success. So you also do mods and rockers as yeah. well, mods and rockers. So and you see this, but, but they actually. You guys are proper psychologists, innit? No, you what? You're not improvising. You're not improvising. Don't all. embarrass my you shit. Know you're a social you're a social too. Wait, I wait, because there's another Cohen mm. that does um, the folk devils one and he talks about how the modern rockers used to go out in Brighton and stuff and they oh. got they got criminal so they got wrongly criminalised mm. because society didn't like that they were creating a subculture mm. but I think the other Cohen is to do with Merton who says that I think he's American and he mm. said that Everyone can't achieve their American dream, so obviously they're going to turn to crime American because they have a American nightmare. So they're going to turn to so they have a strain, and that strain it results in yeah. I think oh, that's I'm, right. not, I'm not too sure. No, 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 no. So, but it's like, but oh, so yours, yours. I think what you're saying is that the skinheads they they create the subculture. Yeah, they create their own subculture to, to to replicate that success. They're not allowed in the mainstream. Okay, I think it's the same mm, as strain mm, theory. Mm. Yeah, you started all fifty four of you got together. Yeah, got together. And There's 117 of us and now. Then, and now what happens? Yeah. Do you keep so, a record of... So, actually, sorry, talk to us about off-rolling. Yeah. People don't know what that is. Right. So, off-rolling is an illegal practice of essentially getting kids to come off the school register even though you have no right to do that. So, it could be passing the child on to another head, making a deal between head teachers. Behind closed doors. Oh my God! It could be a phone call to an AP, an alternative provision, and say, "By the way, I've got this child." It could be as blatant as saying to parents, "Have you thought of homeschooling?" <laughs> no. Um, so there is major violations of of children's human rights going on, right under our noses, and actually. Yeah, I, I saw it myself. So it is something that Ofsted is aware of and and now is out in the public domain. Um, and, you know, the Timpson report review on exclusion was published a couple of weeks back. And one of the recommendations that schools are going to be more accountable, held accountable for this practice of basically disappearing kids. Kids are disappearing, mm. um, even though they're legally the responsibility of that school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no more exclusions. Are you you're talking cons- about making young people more vulnerable? Yeah. yeah. You're concerned with as well the off-rolling process. Of course, yeah. that's part of it. Yeah. But I suppose as a as a as an abolitionist movement, we are concerned about the entire pipeline. Yeah. And I also um, wanted. I think we need to do more work. You know, at the prison end of it. But I suppose by that time. For a lot of young people, it's too, it's, too late. it's too late. So as a teacher, I know where my, my experience is, my expertise, and what my gut feeling is telling me is to go as young as I possibly can. Yeah, it's always start at the beginning, man. It's always start at the beginning. Yeah. Why are you trying to you know, stop the horse 
one is already is it, it's already bought. Yeah, it's already bought. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, if you are just looking at me struggling. Oh, I agree. I'm sat here intently, like I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely it's at the beginning, and like by that time you get to the end, the prison it's it's, it's not that it's too late. It's, it's it's more difficult to implement change because people have their own. Do you know what a nursery nurse said to my uh, the nursery nurse manager? My, my daughter's four. She's got a lovely curly afro, beautiful. I wish my hair was like that, bouncing. When she was two, and usually you know you put it in buns and yeah, things. Yeah. One day we just combed it out and it looked amazing. And uh, we, we started to leave it out more mm. and more often. And the nursery manager looked at her, not a white person, because mm. whiteness is not skin colours and ideology and worldview. <laughs> it was actually an Asian nursery mm. manager who looked at her, Asian sister, looked at her and goes, looked at, look, looked at her, looked at me. And in a jokingly way, which I didn't find funny, she went, doesn't she look rebellious when her hair is out? <laughs> and you know, that was the, the next week yeah. my daughter was gone from that setting. Mm. But what I'm trying to say yeah, is Yeah, because you're hearing her saying that one thing, you know she's going to be saying mm. other things when you're not well, there. Imagine when you're not there. Yeah, mm. exactly. Imagine subconsciously how that child is being treated or excluded or included in things or what they're being favoured or unfavoured for. So I thought, you know what? No. And actually I picked that nursery because it was a black-owned nursery, mm. which again, it goes to show that Skin colour alone ain't gonna do it. We mm. need to fight that whole whiteness ideology mm -hmm. of what is normal, what is better, what is superior versus what isn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. But it's, it's a lot of education. But it, it's it's so deep that you don't understand how how subconsciously that kind of affects you, how you internalise that as a child. And we all do. Mm. It's like when you said when you say you was angry at yourself for you see the date in front of you, but you never reacted and. I had the same experience. One day you start having epiphanies, slowly, yeah. slowly. Yeah. So one day I watch Roots and I get a bit upset. But I don't know why I'm upset. And I do a bit more reading. Then I think, well, you never said that to me then. Or how come I discovered it? And it's slowly but slowly. And it's only time when you empower yourself. And I've made a lot of like, bad like left turns, right turns. But one day you realise that it's not about me. It's about me having action, taking some action. Mm doing something, so be it a podcast, be it setting up a, a group to challenge these systems, but it's having that courage to do that. Yeah. Well, the courage involved, I, I suppose, studying people like Malcolm X, mm -hmm. Asada Shakur, Angela Davis. Mm -hmm. um, oh, by the way, she's aware of Enemy, and she's, lent her, she's said to us that we can reach out to her for support. Oh, amazing. I need to write to her. That's so good. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. That is amazing. Gave us a lot of strength. So you, so you <clears> got <throat> you're you're a collective, and how does so it's an abolition movement? So you're looking at right from the bit right from the beginning as well. So in talking practically, tell us about what, things, doing. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, I'm really sorry, listeners, if it sounds like I've been asking pedantic questions. It's not at all. I just want to make important. sure I want you. I want all I everything you're doing to come out. <laughs> I want not at all. I want everything you're doing to be able to come out. Out. Yeah, oh, I go from the academic stuff to like down there. It's amazing. So. You are such an amazing orator. <laughs> you really, really are. Oh God, I've, I've I've just had good influences around me, and like I said at the beginning. Anyway, and uh, and then each other, we influence each other, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I walk out of here, I haven't learned so much from you, lot. Mm. So I, 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 I'm fifties are looking at like we're learning I'm from you. And the energy, I'm, I'm absorbing all this mm. energy from you guys. It's, it's, it's positive energy. Yeah, positive very, energy. Yeah. Very. So, so, yeah, tell us about the practicalities. How we organise so, yeah, yeah. so, 14th of October, South Bank University, that conference had got me vexed. Yeah. Because they were, you could see the race disparity right across society, the institutional racism right across. And people that, you know, I've quoted, 
like Gus John, like Kendi Andrews, yep. you know, uh, reports that I've read, like there was the Omar Khan from the Rani Mead, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of going, they're all kind of saying the same things. And then at the end of it, when people are saying, um, what are we going to do about it? It's kind of this, mm. you know, the shrugging of the shoulders. And I thought, fuck that. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So when we got together, we had initially discussions about what can we do. I don't want this just to be a WhatsApp group where we're just chatting and, you know, venting, which is important because mm. we do need to educate each other, vent, sometimes give each other therapy and a space to say things that you can't say in school or wherever you work. Um, but people said, no, let's, let's meet up. Let's organize. So we came up with 13 areas, which we then condensed to four. So we said, number one, we want to do structural work radical work from the roots so we're not about reform we're not about tinkering we're not about a bit of mentoring here you know a little bit of mm. embellishing there or nah that's not what this is about so what we want we're, we're looking at number one the first thing that was on my mind the law has to change mm. right mm. but law and policy have to change you know behavior policies the law the key law that gives head teachers this absolute right to destroy somebody's life by excluding them that's mm -hmm. got to go mm -hmm. that's like my number one goal mm -hmm. Uh, an enemy's number one goal. And then I policies. Gonna, I think you're going to do it. Trust me. I'm going to stop. And then the that. policies, uh, there's a lot of talk on the off-rolling, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the flattening the grass. Mm -hmm. I'll explain that if you guys don't know what flattening. Do you know what flattening the grass no. is? Mm-hmm. Right. So. <laughs> do you want to be our third guest? Do you want to be our third <laughs> presenter? Literally, <laughs> this is... <laughs> we are being schooled right now. No, no, no. You know, is this ridiculous behaviour policy that for the smallest infraction, you know, you could be put in detention, which for some kids is really traumatic. Mm -hmm. I had a child the other day I walked past and she's crying, floods of tears, and she's not been given to first time in her life. What for? She said that she was late because she dropped her sister to school because her mum was sick. Nobody bothered to ask that child why she's late to school. The default is punishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, authoritarian, punitive, that's it. Um, but anyway, back to what was I talking about? Flattening the grass. Flattening flat the, so yeah. the grass is a practice of uh, common in a lot of academies, uh, I'm hearing. <laughs> I love them. Where um, they will, you know, because they're out of the local authority control. That's the problem with them, really, essentially. And there are, you know, their own gods, in a way. Yeah, I can do what they want. Yeah, got their own budgets. You know, who's going to stop us now, right? The flagship policies. Anyway, so um, we are going to make an example of certain young people and catch them early. So we'll preferably do it to the really young ones. You know, in year seven, when they arrive and they're all excited about education and learning. Mm. Well, we'll get that out of them. So what we'll do is that when they're in assembly, you know, big public space and they're all there present, the smallest infraction, you know, the, the peacock, you know, a nice label they love to stick on children. The one that stands out, pick on that person and you don't stop having a go, shouting as loud as you can until that child cries. Now, that psychological impact, you talk about prison, what does mm -hmm. that do to the rest? God, I remember seeing that at school. Right. I literally remember Maybe seeing Maybe they that didn't at call school. it flattening the grass, but that is the term. Is that what they call it? That's the term that is being used. You please, I want you, oh. when, this, uh, when this podcast is, I want you guys to Google that and look at what's been said about it. So it's not my term. But you see, you see that term. See what you see. What you just described there. It's the same process you use for slavery to when they enslave. Well said. The well same said. process. Well and said. You pick one. Yeah. You make an example out of them, mm -hmm. and then you never have to use that method of social control again. I knew. Mm. I knew this podcast. I knew. I've been thinking all weekend. <laughs> I've been thinking all weekend. Monday, Monday afternoon. 
mean, Zara, I've never met her. I've only spoke to her on email, but I knew, I knew that this was going to be the one. Fucking flattening the grass. But These yeah. people are bastards. They're literally what bastards. What are they doing to our children? But mate? no, but it, it's not surprising. No, it we, breaks we, my heart. We, we sometimes we speak it's, about it's heartbreaking. That's why I'm so angry. But people look like we're like we're surprised. It's the replication of a system that we know has gone on. We're and not really surprised. We're not. Surprised. No, but no. what upsets me is is that you give the illusion that you stopped. You give the illusion that we're equal. And you tell me to behave myself. So I behave. And I individualise. I say it's me. It's my people. We talk about black and black crime like it's, like it's a real thing amongst the people. Like I've heard black people say, oh, we've, got stop, we've got to stop killing each other. Mm. But I said, you're, you're, so, you're so imbibed with that myth. I said, you know, but you don't see the reality. And I tried to explain to him. Like I said, they kill each other just as much, more so. But you never hear white and white crime. Yeah, exactly. yeah, most crime is white and white, exactly. I'm afraid, my if, friend. I said, if I went to Africa, how oh, would you Lord. describe crime if I went to Africa, which yeah. is 90%, 99% black? It's just crime over there. So why is it a problem here? They have to racialise it. Yeah. So I said, so you have to understand that we were believing these myths, but this stuff has always been going on. But it's just that we try to get along. I've done what my mum said or what my nan said, but I'm not doing that no more. Not again. Never well, that's again. where a lot of younger comes from, isn't it? We mm. follow the rules and it's still not good enough. Mm. It, makes, so anyway. it makes me think... Of, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, so carry, on, back, carry on, carry on. Carry on. No, no, no. Yeah, and yeah, just like, we're going to make this episode a bit longer. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can do it in two goals. <laughs> <laughs> we could do part one and two. We could do part one and two. So, um, so we're going to be said, okay, so what are we going to do with all this anger, right? We've got to channel it with precision. So what we're going to do is... Campaign, yeah, a bit of campaign is fine, but I wasn't happy with just a campaign. It's full of campaigns. Some are successful, some are not. I wanted longevity, which is why we call no more exclusion a movement. Mm. All right, so that's the first thing. So coalition, because it's about partnerships and working in, in alliance, I suppose, with whomever has the same agendas that we have, right? Mm -hmm. Who has inclusive education at the heart of it, a focus on the race disparity. So we work with people like like um, St uh, Stopwatch. Mm -hmm. We got a meeting with Runnymede this week mm -hmm. to see what we could do with them. We, we're working with people in and out of, that work in prisons, mm -hmm. that work in academia, like Karen Graham is one of mm -hmm. us. So we've got literally ex-excluded young people in our group as well. We've got parents, we've got loads of teachers, like loads, especially black teachers but there's quite a few white allies as well uh, but it re enemy remains a black led coalition mm. grassroots movement it will always be that mm. because nothing about us without us mm. that's really important and um, but we strategically use the white privilege of our members as and when mm -hmm. that's important mm. straight mm -hmm. agree. yeah agree. their connections their contacts <laughs> their knowledge mm -hmm. but also a lot of them actually are sometimes even more acutely aware mm. yeah of what needs to be done and they want to do it and come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's very much about, yeah, partnership work. So changing the law. The other thing is teacher training and curriculum. So we are looking at what's wrong with it. How can we overhaul it? How can we radically change teacher training? Because it's fucked. Mm -hmm. It's the same teacher training today that I did 20 years ago. Okay. It is not changed. <laughs> Teachers are still coming culturally incompetent. Mm. thoroughly, even the black ones, mm. all right? So that needs to change massively. The curriculum is, 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 is being destroyed, yeah. as we know, by successive reform. Yeah, so you were like, you you was teaching in like the Gove period then as well. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. So he's, like a, he's like a like, swear word, that, isn't he, amongst yeah. teachers, Michael he's the Gove. Worst. Yeah. Do you know, Dave, I'm sure you've heard of David Gilbon, Professor David Gilbon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that Michael Gove is the politician that has single-handedly, do you know what I mean? Dis just destroyed, destroyed 
Yeah, it's had the most damage to the education system. <clears throat> and now I think he's in, he's in the, yeah, he's he's in the run for prime. I mean, are you yeah, serious? Yeah, he, he won't win, though. I don't think he'll win. No, oh, God. Yeah, anyway. No. Okay, we'll go there. <laughs> then the third thing is supposed it's uh, parental voice, because uh, pa- parent rights are being completely trampled and disrespected. Black parents I'm talking about in particular, <clears throat> but not just black parents. Mm. Um in all of this. And then the fourth thing is, the dream was always for enemy to be youth-led. We're not there yet, but we've got a few active young people and we're trying to get more. But the point is with this is that it's trauma work, mm. what we're doing. So it's not the kind of thing that, you know, come come, come to a podcast, come to this public engagement and push them to the front mm. to talk about. You know, they have to be happy to do it. Yeah. And, and it's not been that long. And it's not been that long. Ex- yeah, excluded. And yeah. actually, we did have, uh, we have got about three or four that are willing to go through and, and have done some, but I don't put it on them constantly. Mm. So we are a coalition. We usually, this is why I said I'm going to bring Cedric. Mm. The, the fact that we stress, we're, we're a group it's not just me mm. I'm not just the face you know I might have been there the first day mm. at that conference but I'm one of the co-founders we're all change initiators mm. it's a flat structure there is no pyramid to mm. this <laughs> so next time you guys might do a podcast I might send two other people to come and do yeah, it yeah, I mean yeah. if you want me to come do you know what I mean yeah but, yeah of course of but course, we yeah. come as a team yeah okay this is, this is important, <laughs> this, is important. <laughs> this is important it's important I think when you're, it's, that's the power to it. And I think most mm. kind of black movements fail because they try, we're looking for the individual, the black guy, the black person, the black woman that's going to lead us to the, the promised land. It's, well, a, group, it's also, a collective. And also the other it's reason why yeah. it can't, well, reason why it can sometimes fail, and this is what I'm going to come on to as well, is funding. How is it happening? Big problem. Big problem. Big problem. <laughs> so that's what happened? That's redundancy went. Yeah. It's all gone on to funding it. Oh, bless so, you. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Give a fuck. I never wanted to teach you to be rich. I'll I'll die, I'm sure, the same way, you know. Um, But if we manage to make the change, it'll Mm. be worth it, won't it? Mm. It'll be a good use of my life. Mm. And Mm. the people that I'm working, you know, we're doing it together. So we've got people that, at least I'm not in the system right now. So Mm. I'm preparing to hopefully do a PhD in September part-time. Continue to do supply work, which basically means I can walk out of a school and go to Have you got funding for your PhD? Not yet. Oh, another another black, another amazing story. scholar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Unfunded. It's deep yeah. out there. Listen up, please, academia. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. No, that's sick what, of it. You're absolutely amazing. <laughs> and we continue to not fund black PhDs, but black people continue to be some of the most studied groups in the yeah. world. It yeah. is so frustrating. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah. a bit of a vent there. Okay, yeah, so no, where, where are you going to do yeah. a PhD at? So, I've, I found a supervisor um, Amazing. IOE. Amazing. So, I'm just literally writing a proposal today, tomorrow and, and Wednesday. Brilliant. And then, I might send it to you. I'll have a look um, at it. Oh, of course. Please. Yeah, please send it. Send it. Send <laughs> it. I'll send it to you guys <laughs> as well. Send it. Send um, it. We'll and I want to you. do it on the exclusion, um, the exclusion to prison pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that something you see is, well, I, I, I have my own views, but is that something you see is growing? Is it, is 100% it, growing. You, is it UK following a similar, similar pattern to the US? With worse. That, worse. If you listen to, if you read, I'm sure you have, mm. the Lamy Review. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. We have a worse problem with the race disparity, the disproportionality mm-hmm. of black Caribbean yeah. and BAME. He yeah. uses BAME. I don't like BAME. Yeah, um, we don't either. We have black pride. There's no BAME pride. <laughs> so we have a worst BAME or black problem, because that's really what they mean, <laughs> in our prisons than in the US. Far worse. So the, the we have to have, we need to come to a reckoning here, serious reckoning, <laughs> that says, you know what? Shit is not good. <laughs> yeah. 
what we're doing ain't working. Exclusions are rising. And we know that children out of school, you know, that's not a good look. <laughs> we know what we're going to do about it. Who's getting excluded? It's not white, middle-class, rich kids, is it? Getting excluded. Uh, Damien Hines, when the, the Timpson Review was published a couple of weeks ago, said, oh, exclusion should be viewed as the beginning of something new and positive. Is he talking about his own child? No, he's not. No. They're never talking no. about their own child. Is he talking about his own no. child? So if you're not, if whatever policy you put out there, it needs to equally apply to your own child as everybody else's. Mm. If it doesn't, then go fuck right off. Mm. <laughs> is it the thing is, do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what is a killer? Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I like to sum things up in a punchy way. But, yeah. but it's, it's true, it's true. But they're not, they never think about their own kids. No. But the law is, their own kids are not no. part of these policies. No. But like I said, it's the myth. Like you have to understand we're not we're not the same. And once you understand that, then you understand how all laws are made and how it's made. That's that. why we don't talk about equality. Mm. It's not something we talk about. Yeah. We talk about liberation. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to talk about. That's it. Even equity. Equity is just giving someone... It helps. Yeah. You know, giving someone's access. Thank you, master. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> we still not equal. We're not we equal. still don't have the sameness that we... Anyway, sameness is another myth. Mm. You know, we're still not celebrating our differences mm -hmm. and elevating everybody, right? Mm -hmm. For for everything they could achieve and they're uh, helping them achieve the full potential. Like you just said about me doing my PhD. That is exactly what that's about. Mm -hmm coming from someone who was always a CD student and coasting, yeah. you know, now I've got the prospect of doing this. It's blowing my mind. I never thought I would be able to do it. But see, and and, that's the and thing. how many young people are like locked in that? This is the thing. So they can't see themselves achieving. I'm, st I'm stuck in it. For you, you've, they allowed you to be that person that has, that's that stereotype to be. I live in, I lived that for a little while. And then one day, you? When, when you start reading, and you start reading, reading <laughs> books and you start talking to people and you understand stuff. You think, I do understand stuff. But you never gave them that opportunity. Yeah. You put me in that corner, put me in a box. You and were I, in a box. And I, in that box, I thrive because all my friends are in that same box. But when I came out of the box, it becomes uncomfortable for people. So I remember going to a, a dinner party and a guy asked me, who's my favourite architect in, in Paris? And I said, Baron Houseman. And he looked at me like, well, you, you know about Baron Houseman? I'm like, I can read, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it was a shock. On his face, and I, I remember, and I was only about twenty. They're always it's the, the look, shock it's the that double he, look. That, that I, Let me tell you, right? Two academics, right? One is Karen Graham. I'm going to mm. quote her again. She's got this one here that everyone should read: the British School to Prison Pipeline. Have you seen it? If not, no. please read it. And then the other one: does school prepare men for prison? Two papers that everyone should <laughs> oh, read, right? Stop Brilliant. We'll put a link in. We'll put yeah, a link yeah. In put the, links um, in. in mm. So. She used to be a prison teacher, and that's how her PhD, you know, came, came from all of that. And she said that the brightest people she's ever met, she met them in prison. And uh, Professor John Vorhaus, a legend, right? I met her at IOE. Same thing, teaching in prisons. And he said, there are people in prison that, 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 that ask you questions that blow your mind, that, that think in ways that blow your mind. And they're in prison, and they're black. Mm. You read Akala's Natives, and he's got three chapters, two chapters in there where he talks about being labelled as special needs. Mm. Akala's a genius. Mm. But to be a genius and be black is a very dangerous thing. Mm. Mm. You're endangering your life. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the uncomfortable. They, I remember seeing how You're comfortable. You're in the box. No. And I don't have a box for you. There isn't a box for black and genius. Mm. 
right? The only box I've got for you is black and criminal. And you're going to have to fit in there whether you like it or not. Or we have quite uncomfortably some black and people of colour that will, that will use their what they can eventually acquire some cultural, social and economic capital to facilitate the establishment. So we do get, look, like, your far-right black people. Like, do you know what, do you know what I mean? Like, there is always... Uh, the, the, yeah. This, a, 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 I can't the, get my head around them. I know, I can't. Yeah. You can't it makes you sad when you see it, but you can't... You can find capital in appeasing whiteness. Well, listen, it's uncomfortable. The madness is... But I, it's, I've got one in my family, right? He, it's not a safe place. He's, he, he, because whiteness can turn on you any time. Yeah. You need to be aware of that. Well, yeah. he supports um, he supports UKIP, right? And yeah. It's some of my family. Yeah, yeah, black, yeah. So, and he has individualised and he's kind of accepted that neoliberal myth. I pulled myself up, so you can too. But it's hard to understand someone. When you see somebody, but it's hard to understand how could how can they think like that? Yeah. Given, go on, go on, sorry. So I was going to say, the Brits and my response to you, Zara, in saying about um, if you're black, a man and you're intelligent then you're danger you're dangerous or or you can find a way to I mean they don't have to be intelligent actually well who's that who's that guy who's going to be conservative mayor conservative mayor Sean someone black guy like Sajid Javid like fucking saying on Channel 4 Channel 4 debate the other day like oh I know what it's like to grow up and have and have um, (laughs) and have prejudice whatever it's like you literally took someone's citizenship away yeah. because they were a brown woman, you prick. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Like, So we can... Yeah, I agree with what your signs are, but then there is the uncomfortable... You've got the model minorities, Yeah, right? you've got the model minorities. They, they are there to cushion whiteness. Mm-hmm. Their yeah. job is to make whiteness feel comfortable and protect them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they become the cover. It's the cover-up. Yeah. Oh, we ain't racist. Yeah. Look at them. Yeah. Look how, you know, what's his name you know, is up for being the next mayor, clearly. Yeah. So, you know, weaponising white, black people, allowing themselves to turn into instruments for white supremacist purpose yeah. of advancement. I always, th- I always think to myself, if if bless their hearts. But you see, when they when they get there, because they're so focused on being in the in the individual, they're all about their own success. But it's about having that person to work as a collective, to work, as, understand the trouble in its wider context. But when they get there, they become the individual. Do you know teamwork, right? As a teacher, is the single hardest skill to teach. Teamwork. Teamwork. Why do you, do you think that's because of social conditions? It's so hard to teach it, and really, you can't teach it. You have to model it. Mm-hmm. You have to model it. Yeah. And What's the difference between teaching and modelling? I suppose teaching is like, you know, traditionally, you know, standing at the front. But it's you living know, in front it. Of the white modeling is living but it. But modelling it is embodying it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not telling you about it, it's being about it. Mm-hmm. Being about it and letting them see it? Is it about Letting them it? see it, okay. letting them be part of it, letting them critique it when it's not working, letting them go, but hang on a minute, you just fell out with so-and-so, what's your teamwork? Mm-hmm. You know, having that kind of, I suppose, approach to education that a lot of teachers are not comfortable with can I give you an example of again this is I, I keep that I'm very rhizomatic with my learning sorry about that it all makes sense it all makes sense it all makes sense it all makes sense on my last day I've just finished a, a, a supply job and on my last day the kids wanted to throw me a party mm. well, let's be honest I wanted to throw a party with them <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said to them right okay cool lunchtime we're going to meet such and such a room this is my unpaid like, unpaid lunch break the kids it's their break, should be able to do whatever. We put on a bit of YouTube, they put in music. It is mainly black kids that showed up, but mm. there were lots of white kids and mm-hmm. kids there as well. It wasn't just that. Everyone loves music. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got food, music, blah, blah. We managed to do a few, you know, 
uh, to, to have, you know, a bit of, basically it's my send off. I'm saying Some bye. Games, after, yeah. after six months of being there. And, um, you know, teacher walks in and goes, it's completely un- inappropriate, you know, shuts it down, completely undermining my presence. Um, and kids didn't, you know, didn't get to say bye or anything like that. Just the fact that the tables are not in a row anymore through this person, the fact that there's some music and there's some laughter and fun throws them. Talk about box and what education needs to be about, right? It's so sad. So sad. And the music as well would have, like, thrown whoever... Is it and a man or woman? It was a woman. Thrown the woman into a frenzy as oh. well. What is this music? Like, oh, can like you imagine? Was, I, can, I can see it. I can it see what ethnic. happened. It was too ethnic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the kids, the, the kids had some moves though. I was so upset. <laughs> they, I was, I was watching. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm sorry, I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, but it's the fact that you see, you're not allowed to express your your creative spirit. Mm. You're not allowed to bond. You're not, you know, allowed to like disrupt those roles. Those roles are, to me, symbolically speaking, have a material meaning as well. Mm. Because they represent factory work, they mm. represent not rising above your station, mm. it represents order, social control, mm. it represents docility, football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and docility plus utility equal mm. discipline. Mm-hmm. Subservience, man. That's it. You need it. <laughs> and this thing about pessimism is really important as well, because with, with whenever you do social justice work, that is inevitable. You're, you're going to have days and moments like that. Mm. Sometimes you can't get out of it. Like, there's people that have come to me and said, what's our, why are we even bothering with this? Like, mm. institutional racism is embedded in the DNA of this country, which is true. <laughs> it's in every institution, which is true. It's deep into the psyche, mm. which is true in the consciousness. And whiteness is just, like, every day. Um, and, you know, what can we do about it? And, I, and she said, and this is actually a teacher, a maths teacher, that I really love and respect. And I said to her, do you know, I get it, I get the pessimism, but our fighting spirit is all we've got. That's mm-hmm. all we've got. And we can, we can, as adults, like I said earlier, up and say, fuck this shit, I'm out of education, I'll just go and do some waitressing, mm-hmm. right? Whatever, I've thought that mm-hmm. many times. But our kids can't do that. They're stuck in there for 16 or however many years in those classrooms, in this oppressive we've structures got, we've got and we can't leave them there like that mm-hmm. we just can't do it so what I would say to that pessimism is you, we're probably not going to beat the structures that we're trying to beat in our lifetimes but I think it's possible and we have to keep at it listen, Sarah, I, we haven't, almost haven't got a choice listen I agree with you listen <laughs> I say to people when they're pe- we haven't got a choice when they're pessimistic you have to understand it wasn't always like this it was created yeah. and it was maintained so if it was created it can be uncreated it can be uncreated but it just takes the will and to quote Nietzsche, it's the will to power. You need the will to power to succeed. And we have that will to power. We have that fighting spirit. Because otherwise, I'd still be a slave. We definitely not, have it. You know? we, def- we have survival, don't we? Talk about, which is a nice way to end it. That Talk is. about surviving society. Yeah. Mm. Look, we've been surviving. Oh, look, look at this. She's a rapper. Talk about, we've been surviving society for a damn long time. And we're going to keep on doing it. And at the end of the day, you know, the struggle, it's all we've got. It's all we've got. We've got literally no choice. It's like someone who's like, no way out. There's only one window. That's it. You have to go for the window. Mm-hmm. It might be difficult. might not reach it. You know, maybe three of us in the room and only one of us mm-hmm. getting on somebody's shoulder can get out there. But somebody's going to get it. Get it. Yeah. Get out. So that's the way we got to look at it. I just I agree with you, Sarah. Ah! I just I just I just <laughs>
I think we're gonna have a group yeah. hug now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zara, how can people follow what you're doing? How can they support you? Oh my God, we need so much support. Good, right. okay, okay, tell us, because we've got privileged academics that listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That can help. Okay, right. How can they help? This is what we need. So we want to stay grassroots. We don't want to be co-opted by anyone. Uh, institution or organization, anything like good, that. Good. Um, we want to try and empower the young people and trying to get them. So it'd be really good to get funding to organize better. We need a website desperate. Need desperate money web for a website. You need a website. Okay. It'd be great to have, you know, some a place to be based in. We've got yep. nowhere. So we write to people and like everyone's coming back to my intray, which isn't very professional, mm -hmm. you know, or the way to do it. Um, so, you know, like set up funds and maybe some guidance on, like, we have got some, someone amazing that's helping us, but tiny little amount of time they've got in how to set up our structures. Have you heard of, I'm sure you know Kin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know Zeta? Zita Holborn. Yes. Barack, yeah. Yeah, I've come, yeah, uh, yeah, I've come yeah, into contact yeah, with her. Yeah. I have emailed her. Yeah. Um, but she's incredibly busy, I think. I know. It's yeah. hard. Like, it's, it's really so, hard. It's hard because so many grassroots. There are so many grassroots doing, and there's so much good work. work doing work and unpaid work like what you I'm at the stage now where I've given up my job mm. my little supply job mm. to set this up properly like mm. the constitution of it the rules because at the moment we are organising but we're doing it in a very organic way we haven't really got any rules written down and I'm not one for rules but you know some type of references Structure, for how yeah. you know how do we communicate who yeah. does what when and you know press releases and you know this kind of thing so so if there's any of our listeners out there um, that can help with website design office space consultancy free consultancy that isn't invasive and that is about supporting grassroots organizations i can already think of a couple of people now that can help <laughs> you and support with funding um dm us on twitter or um email me at c l e w i zero one one at gold okay i can't believe i just did that i, I am dyslexic that. and dyspraxic the teacher in the room knows oh how God, hard that would have been for me <laughs> But ideally, uh, oh, message us on so Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so get in contact. And follow us on N Exclusions. We do have a Twitter page, which is N, uh, N, N Exclusions. We'll be pushing that by our socials, don't worry. You've been listening to Surviving Society with Zara from No More Exclusions. It has been an amazing episode. I think possibly one of my favourites. Big in the game. Say. Serious, isn't it? So Serious big things in the game. Out there, so big in the game. As per, if you're a Patreon supporter, we have another episode um, for you, the T's and C's, Tiso and Chantel. Thank you again for your support. If you're not a Patreon supporter yet, for a price of a coffee, but you can have, have more episodes from us. And again, you can help support us with our production costs and to help us reach more activists like Zara and pay them for their time as well as travel to them. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.